0: Hi everyone, it's Mike here again, and it is great to share with you a preview of our latest Moonshots Master Series. This series is where we collect all the wisdom that we've learned from over 140 plus shows. And what we do is we study a particular topic and we bring all the best clips and practices together so you get your own little masterclass. And what you'll get in each of the Moonshots Master Series is a show dedicated to your personal transformation, or perhaps to problem solving, decision making, thinking better, all that kind of good stuff. Or lastly, it will be about leadership. Those are the three big buckets that all the Moonshots thinking fits into. Personal transformation, thinking better, and leadership. That's right. And we pick all of those great clips from superstars, entrepreneurs, and authors, and wrap it all up together together. Now, you're only getting a preview of this. If you'd like to listen to the full show, get all the tools and all the goodies that comes with the Moonshots Master Series, visit moonshots.io, click on the members area and sign up, be our patron. It's only a dollar a week and you'll get a complete masterclass just for you every single month. So head over to moonshots.io and become a member. But for now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Moonshots Master Series. It's episode 11. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the most rapid man himself, Mr. Mark Pearson-Freeland. Good morning, Mark.
1: That's right, Mike. Today in episode 11, we're getting into something that's not only pretty rapid, but it's also very tried and tested and really, truly works. Mike, today, I mean, we're getting into pretty interesting topics that you and I just love to do. And that's diving into the entrepreneurship bucket, focus on rapid prototyping.
0: Rapid prototyping, Mark, is something that is close to my heart. I remember, in fact, being shown how to do rapid prototyping by one of the superstars that we're actually going to have in this show. And it was like an aha moment for working out if your product idea is any good at all. And here's the kicker mark. You can do that without building the entire
1: product. I mean, it feels like such a cheat, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It feels like a cheat from getting to a point of having an idea on, let's say the back of a napkin, spending millions of dollars to build it, to then put it onto the the, the store shelves and for it to fail. Instead, you can just do a little bit of prototyping, bit of testing, and whether or not to to launch it or make amends, it does feel like you're almost time traveling, and you can see what's going to happen to it before yes. you launch it.
0: That's a great way of talking about it. the 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 thing for me is that um, I want to make the case uh, for rapid prototyping, and you, you know, you mentioned you know going you know into the future, mm. um, you know, a lot of people have made and myself included here. I'm, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else, um, of having assumed that their idea was great. And, and let's be honest, it's easy to get a bit carried away with your own business or product idea. Right. Mm. And, um, invariably, when you bring this to consumers, the reality is kind of like inversed. (laughs) The reality of all of your excitement, optimism, and, you know, grand visions turns out to be that the customer just doesn't give a you know what. In fact, uh, the premise of rapid prototyping is deeply connected to the lean startup practice. And the author of lean startup, his name is Eric Reese. He wrote the book because he testified to the mistake he made. He spent five years and $40 million building a product that nobody wanted. And he talked about the absence of testing, the absence of rapid prototyping is something that he went on to learn is what he should have done. It's why he created Lean Startup and Lean Startup has been a massive success for him. So good on him. My point here, Mark, is we are way too often Victims of wishful thinking when we come with new ideas, new entrepreneurial thoughts, visions. However, we can all get through that if we embrace rapid prototyping. If we test our ideas in a lightweight form early on, not only will you test the idea and work out if it's any good, you'll make it better. That is my promise, Mark, of what we're going to do together in this show. What do you think?
1: I mean, that is a good. Proposition there, Mike. So it's not only coming to terms with that painful experience of learning that your customers don't really like your product. (laughs) How do we get over that pain? But also understanding the value that can come from it. You make the amends. You launch it and it gets better. I mean, I'm ready for that master series. This yeah. is this is a topic close to you and I. We've done this before in our careers. It's certainly something that I think we both enjoy doing. So where, where do we start, Mike?
0: Well, I, I think what we're going to do is paint a huge picture of just how Rapid prototyping really does lay behind some of the greats. Uh, whether you talk about Thomas Edison and the light bulb, famously did 10,000 prototypes. Whether we talk about some of the most cutting edge digital makers of today, everybody who's making product, particularly those making physical product, is using rapid prototyping. So let's go to one of the granddaddies of them all. Let's go to Walt Disney and listen to how rapid prototyping was part of his success.
2: The old saying, these are the things that dreams are made of, might well apply to the scale models and the drawings and uh, blueprints. At least when we dream up new ideas for Disneyland, they first take shape and form in such preliminary studies as this. Here at the studio, we get many letters from art students and from people who are just interested in art. Some of these letters ask questions that deserve a more detailed answer than could be given in a written reply. And so, from time to time, we're going to devote an entire program to answering a few of these questions. In our feature production of Bambi, the characters were developed by drawing from life our artists made thousands of action sketches, catching every pose and characteristic attitude. In the production of Lady and the Tramp, this technique of humanized animal characters reaches a point of near perfection. We first tried this approach to humanized animal animation in one of our early silly symphonies. For this project, we brought some kittens into the studio and let them play and roam about as they pleased while the artist made sketches and collected ideas for the kitten story. The result of this experiment was the Academy Award winner of the year 1935, the Three Orphan Kitten.
1: I mean, straight off the bat, Mike, you want proof that testing, prototyping, gradually improving designs and so on over that uh, period, it can get you an Academy Award? You know, I think that already is making the case of doing this testing, don't you think? Yeah. And um, I think
0: when I hear like greats like Walt Disney were doing this, it just, it's a bit of a reveal, isn't it? It's like, oh, they're creating these models, they're testing, they're learning, they're refining. It makes so much sense. You, You almost have this vision of the craftsman polishing away, making a prototype, testing, polishing again. I mean, this truly is something, it's not brand new. It's been around for ages. And I think what we should do before we kind of jump into the modern day where we look at some uh, more recent examples of people who are using rapid prototyping, I'll tell you this, somebody else who's always crafting away, improving. The work they do and themselves, Mark, and that is our members and our subscribers. I think we deserve uh,
1: to acknowledge uh, their contribution. Maybe a tip of the hat, Mark. That's right, a tip of the hat and a real uh, celebration of all the prototyping that you guys might be up to in your in the rest of your time. Aside from listening to the Moonshots Master Series, so Please. maybe maybe mark their prototyping while
0: they listen to the show.
1: Oh, well, maybe during today's show, mm. you can pause, rewind, really get into a comprehensive deep dive, then yeah, I think you're totally right, Mike. So for all those who are listening along today with episode 11, Rapid Prototyping, please welcome Bob, Niles, John, Terry, Niall and Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Tom, Mark, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Yasmin and Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Maria and Paul. Berg and Kalman, David, Joe, Crystal, Evo, Christian, Hurricane Brain, Samuela, Kelly, Barbara, Bob, and Andre. Whew, Mike, that list is getting pretty long.
0: Yeah, and a special shout-out to Kelly, Barbara, Bob, and Andre as they are brand-new members who all joined up in the last week. So, uh We are very grateful for your contribution and uh, we really are so delighted to share this journey with you, our members, our subscribers, because we think this is a mission worth doing, shooting for the moon, as you would say, trying to be the best version of yourself. And the way we love to do it is learning out loud, doing it together, and we really are thankful. We are grateful for your contribution. It helps us pay some very important bills that we get as part of doing this show. But more importantly, you're part of something where we're all trying to do things just that 1% better every single day. So thank you so much to your, uh, for your um, patronage, for your membership, for your subscription. We really do appreciate it. And in return, we want to kind of shine the light on one of the greatest prototypers Of them all. Uh, His breakthroughs are tremendous, uh, whether it's the vacuum cleaner, the hairdryer. Basically, if air's moving, he's innovated with it. He's convinced us to pay thousands of dollars for a vacuum cleaner, which when I was a little younger would have sounded totally crazy, but that is the reality of today. That is the reality of the work of none other than not only Mr. James Dyson, but Sir James
1: that all we'd hear was sort of banging and crashing and soaring and, and there were, honestly, every day there was a development and then a failure and a development and a failure.
3: I'd be able to do about one test like that a day and I'd get in the next day and make a different cyclone and do another set of tests. Day after day, month after month, as it turned out, year after year. Apart from that, we had a normal family life.
1: <laughs> he was on his own for quite a long time before he started getting the old person in to help him
3: life in the coach house at that time was probably quite similar to a lot of small businesses first book, September '89. it was sort of quite a magical place back then You know, everybody was very busy everybody knew exactly what they were doing there was great esprit decor, draw up designs get a prototype made downstairs in the workshop so if you phone up downstairs they say engine room maybe at the end of the day we'd go down and sort of help out. And we hadn't got a salesman, we hadn't got a production manager, we had none of the structure and organisation that you have when you set about manufacturing something. We were merely a group of engineers developing a product at this stage. And I can remember the day when we actually made 100 machines and that was sort of like a big sort of threshold to to get to you know a small team of two or three people had achieved a full-on production line it was incredible yeah, the speed with which it all changed in the third year of college from everyone talking about philip stark ross Lufkoe, richard sapper you know Alessi, to everyone talking about dad in lectures in the third year this is the designer of the future. This is a a businessman. And this is someone who actually manufactures what they've invented. And it made me extremely proud. And and I I sort of realised then, in fact, how unique he was and what he'd achieved.
1: I mean, so...